On episode 220 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn the top five lessons from TennisCon 5 with special guest Peter Freeman. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey, it's Mirban. Welcome back to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. And today we're going to be discussing the top five lessons learned from TennisCon 5. And TennisCon 5 is an awesome free online tennis conference that is happening next week from the date of when this podcast comes out, so on October 18, 2021. And if you go to tennisfiles.com slash tenniscon5, that's T-E-N-N-I-S-F-I-L-E-S dot com slash T-E-N-N-I-S-C-O-N-5, then you can get your free ticket to watch all of the 40 plus lessons to help you play bigger and better tennis from fantastic coaches, including yours truly. So definitely check that out and get your free ticket through that link. And you can check out the show notes page as well in your app and on tennisfiles.com slash 220 to get your free ticket. But this is a great event and I am actually also partaking. I will be presenting uh, actually a pretty awesome follow-along workout on how to become more explosive and fit uh, for tennis. And uh, it's about a 30-minute workout. And I also added a warm-up and stretching too. So you can follow along with it and make it your own workout. So I hope you enjoy that, but you do have to uh, register to get your free ticket at tennisfiles.com slash tenniscon5. So today we'll be talking about the lessons, the the best lessons uh, that Peter has learned from the event. And so the event hasn't happened yet, but Peter has gotten many of the presentations in advance. And so he's filtered through them and we talk about his favorite points and pieces of advice with respect to tennis fitness, with respect to poaching and Novak's zone court, as uh, one of his coaches terms it. Also, a very interesting discussion on the five zones, which I think you'll enjoy, as well as tactics for defeating the pusher or the very consistent opponent. So that is coming up in a second. But first, I want to give you my pun of the day. Yes, I'm continuing it, and I haven't gotten any threats via email or anything like that. So I think I'll continue for now. But here's the pun of the day for today. All right. Why was the waiter fired from his job in the tennis club's restaurant? Answer, because he was a bad server. How do you like that one? (laughs) All right. Hope you enjoy that one and don't shut off the episode. Uh, please. All right. So I think you'll get a lot of value with my interview with Pete. And also, if you sign up, then you'll also get to hang out with us as we'll be doing, I think, three live streams together as part of the event. So it'll be pretty awesome. So without further ado, here's my interview with Peter Freeman on the top five lessons from TennisCon 5. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. And I'm really excited to have one of my best friends in the tennis game. Peter Freeman. Peter, how are you doing today? I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. And congratulations on all the awesome things that you do with your Tennis Files podcast and the Tennis Summit and just being an all-around good guy. Thank you, Pete. Yeah, you too. And really excited for Tennis Con to be coming up extremely soon. Everybody should definitely be checking that out, and we'll give you more details on that later on. Um, but I wanted to bring Peter on because, you know, with his Tennis Con event, he just has so many incredible coaches on there, uh, the best in the world, uh, no doubt. And Pete learns and uh, 
thousands and thousands of people learn every year, you know, so much stuff from TennisCon. But I wanted to bring Pete on to give you, you know, five uh, things that he has learned that he will never forget to to present that to us on the podcast, because these are very powerful lessons that he's learned, again, from the best in the world that we want to let you know about. Because Tennis Files is, is all about that. You know, on the podcast, uh, I interviewed great coaches like Pete to help you improve your game. And so we want to extract the best information for you. So, Pete, any any in- introductory words before we head into the list? No, it's just I think we both can relate with you doing the Tennis Summit, me doing uh, Tennis Con, is every year you do just get a wealth of information to where, you know, I'm frankly uh, impressed lots of times by you watch the videos like, wow, this is a lot of really great information and you kind of get uh, reaching and and uh, you just hope as many of your students are really watching it and going through the stuff as possible. And this year is no different. Uh, I think this year might be our best year. And uh, but there's things that have already happened that have stood out to me where I'm I'm like, wow, I'm I'm never going to forget that because that was really really cool. So the first one on my list is from Dr. Mark Kovacs, and mm-hmm. uh, he made a presentation on top ten exercises every tennis player should do to improve their game and their fitness level and avoid injury. So, uh, and he works with not only top echelon tennis players like John Isner, Sloane Stevens, Francis Tiafu, but he also works with all kinds of athletes, all walks of life, track and field, baseball. Uh, when I interviewed him, he was actually working with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And yep. one of the things one of the things I asked him was, you know, the game is definitely more physical now. I mean, you watch these points and they're just brutal. Watch a Novak play in Rafa at the French Open this year. It's it's like, God, you know, how can you get up and play another point like that? And I asked him, you know, are the players working harder, you know, in their in their conditioning? Or are they working smarter? And he said, well, the actual load that they put on and the time that they put on, they're actually doing less. You know, he says, no, no one at that level doesn't work extremely hard because they're willing to do things that regular people aren't willing to do. That's why they get to the top. But what he said is, yeah, their, their duration of working out isn't as long as, you know, people used to do maybe. Like Roy Emerson, I got to interview him. And he said, you know, the way you play and train for five sets is you play six sets, you know. And so he and, and he used to do a uh, hundred kangaroo hops in a row that, that all the Aussies kind of bragged about, you know. And now I notice Roy uh, around the, the ranch there, the Legends Ranch in Texas, John Newcomb's ranch, you know, he kind of has a sidewinder walk because he's got like, you know, his hip is completely burned out. So. Uh, and we'll see what happens to like a Novak and a Roger and a Rafa. It'll be, be very interesting to see how they they are doing as they age. But um, he talked about efficiency per minute. And I thought that that was really interesting, not just for tennis, but just a, a kind of a way to live your life. He's like, you know, the pros are just so efficient with every single minute. Every single minute of their day and their workout is planned out. It's very systematic. It's very scientific. And when they go to do their work, they are in it 100%, you know, so they don't waste any time. And I thought, man, that's that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I love that lesson, Pete. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I remember back in the day, um, I used to do this a lot where I would just kind of um, mindlessly practice and mindlessly, you know, work out. And I didn't really have like a a purpose behind it or like a, a end goal or like I, I didn't know exactly what I was training. So I guess what you're saying is that athletes now are doing the opposite of that, which is like everything is meticulously planned out and, and you know, they know w- why they're doing what they're doing. Is that pretty much a summarization? Exactly. And I think that you just hit another big point. They know the why behind what they're doing. They know how important it is. Uh, it's not just about, you know, like doing a hundred kangaroo jumps to prove you're the toughest person or whatever, like (laughs) everything they're doing 
is for a reason. And I think one of the biggest things that they work on so much now, which probably wasn't worked on as much, is the recovery aspect of tennis. Uh, and that's how they're really able to get up and go the next day is that they've gotten much better with their recovery. Awesome, Pete. Yeah, I mean, any other um, insights into that lesson? I mean, uh, whether it's, you know, a particular exercise or philosophy that, that you'd like to share um, that, that Mark uh, talked about in that presentation? Well, the thing that was kind of cool is he said with the top 10 list that he was giving out is that, you know, the, these are a lot of exercises that uh, the pros do, but it, it's also he, he he specifically geared his presentation towards recreational players, and he he basically you know took the whole tennis body in mind and uh, from the ground up and said you know if you had twenty minutes uh, three times a week uh, these were the ten exercises he would do you know he basically picked the top one for kind of like each area of the body. And you know, working on your strength, your flexibility, your explosiveness—it's all in there. And uh, it was pretty neat to see. And and some of the video clips are him working with with pros like Francis Tiafu and and things like that. So you're just like, wow, this is this is top level stuff. I'm watching. It's really really awesome. Yeah, I mean, Mark is is one of the best in the game. I mean, he is the I think is the senior some senior science director or something or director of sports science of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's just amazing to see that crossover, um, you know, that, that he was, you know, the Cavaliers saw that he was so good at his craft, you know, with tennis players and other athletes that they decided to bring him on, uh, you know, one of the you know professional basketball teams. So that's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. The last two years I've interviewed him, he's actually been working with the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, one day I actually, I made a course where I was working on my forehand. So I took a lesson from him. And, uh, after a lesson, he was going to work with uh, a Braves baseball player. So, I mean, he really does work with the best of the best in, in all areas. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, do you think you're going to be changing your routine after, uh, checking out his, his presentation? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I, Definitely, I'm going to do a number of those exercises because as he was doing, going through his top 10, I'm going, wow, that's really, really good. You know, that I, I need to be doing that. And um, I got to go back. I have to say this, I have to go back and watch the video because, and, and this is why, and I, I don't want to kind of like seem, I want this to be authentic. I really think people should get a lifetime access pass. You know, the 48 hours is to kind of get a taste test of how awesome everything is. but. I was really impressed with his uh, presentation, and I thought to myself, there's a lot of these exercises I need to be doing that would be excellent for me, and I forget a number of them, and I have to go back and rewatch it. All I remember about the presentation was, this is great, <laughs> you know, but I'm a normal human being. I, 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 I do forget things, and I've forgotten uh, a lot of very specific things as far as like right now, as I'm talking, I can I can imagine a lot of the exercises he was going through, but I'd have to rewatch it to kind of get the specifics on reps and you know how, how many uh, times you should do it a week and and all that kind of stuff and what to do next after. Mm. So to really do it in a smart Rest. way, I really need to yeah. watch that probably a couple times. Yeah, definitely, Pete. Um, in your experience, you know, whether it's from the video or just, just you know, what what you've been doing in your training or in training students, like, what is one of the best exercises that you think tennis players should be doing uh, in their workouts? Well, I, I really kind of like the idea of making sure it's a full body workout of I, I think one thing that I think you even said this to me, and I, I know Mark said it, so I believe I heard it from you and Mark that you know as you age, that it kind of like switches as far as what you should be working on. Like the the older you get, by whatever age you are, that's the kind of percentage that you should dedicate towards more flexibility and mobility. Right. So I I I have switched my exercise from you know I used to kind of 
be old school. I guess I still am old school, but I've, I've changed the way I worked out where, you know, my workout all the time was, uh, you know, it wouldn't be unusual for me to work out till like I felt like I was going to throw up, you know, but now I'm more taking the approach of, uh, I want to, I want my body to feel good, you know? Uh, so I make sure I always get some light cardio in, I make sure I stretch it, you know, even though, you look at me and you wouldn't even think I stretch. You know, it's kind of like, I guess, maybe a 3-0 who can't get a backhand. Uh, I'm I'm a person, no matter how much I stretch, I can't get flexible, but I do stretch every day. So I can only imagine if I didn't stretch, how bad it would be. And uh, yeah, I think that's the thing is just, I think the biggest thing I learned is as you get older, uh, you can stay in good shape, but your goals kind of change as far as what you want out of your workouts and, and what you want them to do for you. Yeah, definitely, Pete. I think that that rule I I learned from Mike Boyle, if I'm not mistaken, and it was basically like a one percent rule where you know you just take your age uh, multiplied by one, and that's the percentage that you should be uh, you know dedicating to your mobility and flexibility. And it makes a lot of sense, you know, because as we age, we get less mobile and flexible. And yeah, you know, it, it's also I mean, f- fitness is is very interesting um, because. I've been stretching and, and um, doing a lot of foam rolling a lot more these days, but I also have been reading lately that sometimes, you know, you get tight because of, you know, strength imbalances in certain areas too. So uh, there's really a lot to explore in that area um, for people. And that's really why it's so important to seek uh, great experts like Dr. Mark Kovacs on that subject. So definitely really excited and 100% going to be watching that. Uh, presentation and definitely think you all should check out uh, TennisCon and, and you know the All Access Pass is great to to be able to refer to it whenever you want. Um, yeah. So Pete, uh, any last thoughts on that subject, or we can just shift to no. number two? Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for number two. I'm ready all right, for number two. Let's do that. What is it? So number two is from Grand Slam, 17-time Grand Slam champion Gigi Fernandez who uh, I do the Grand Slam call of the month with her, which is really exciting. We, we just had um, Arancha Sanchez Vicario on the last one, which was wow. awesome. And uh, it's really neat to work with Gigi. I told her this, so I can tell you and everybody, is uh, when I was growing up, I, I actually had a crush on Gigi. Um, <laughs> very beautiful awesome. lady. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. I had a crush on her when I was growing up. So it's kind of neat to actually get to know her now. And she did top five Gigi's top five doubles plays that you know will win you when you points win you matches and uh mm. that recreational players can do and one thing that's kind of cool is you know she said these plays are really meant for recreational doubles it's it's uh, a lot of them don't always cross over to the pro game but she works with a lot of uh, she's developed the gg method which again was dedicated more towards she worked at a club and she just saw the way doubles was being taught. She watched a lot of recreational doubles. She's a very competitive person. And so she started to really look at it and go, well, they should be playing like this. You know, this is what I'm seeing, you know, is, is not the smartest way for these recreational players to play. So then she does a bunch of camps with Martina, Tracy Austin, Chris Everett. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome because she's going to do one of the Bryan brothers. And she works with a lot of recreational players, um, you know, players uh, just like a lot of people probably listen out there, 3-0 to, mm-hmm. to, to 4-0 to 4-5. And she came up with, because I think one of the biggest fears, and again, I'll be transparent, is uh, it's weird. I have like really good volleys. Uh, when I grew up playing juniors, I was a serve volleyer, first, first and second serve, serve volley. Every, every time my opponent had a second serve, uh, I pretty much came in, you know, uh, most of the time. So I love the net. I've always felt insecure poaching, mm. you know. I definitely can, I definitely can teach the poach better than I can poach the poach. You know, like I, when I, at the rare occasion I do play, and you know, I'm up there at the the net. My part, I'd much rather serve than be the person who's at the net when my partner's serving. I, I just don't Why do you think that is? feel great up there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like I, I've, I've developed the feel and the rhythm of serving and volleying. So when I, mm-hmm. when I play doubles and I serve and I serve and volley, and I'm like, well, this is easy. You know, it's only the half the court now I've got to serve and volley. <laughs> like I don't have to cover the full court. Yeah. So that's yeah. really easy for me. And, and uh, I'm used to coming in off the serve. And uh, 
I'm used to getting the ball back when I serve in volley. And, and gosh, if my partner can just go over and poach and I even have to volley, then it makes it even easier. But the feeling of like, you know, going to take the ball over the middle, you know, and, and what if I blow it or what if I don't go and I should have gone and my partner looks at me like, why didn't you go? <laughs> like, I just not a very, very confident poacher. I'm just not, I mean, you know, you know, can I poach? Do I poach? Yes. Do my opponents feel like I don't like poaching? I don't think, I don't think I give that air. Like I'm not, I mean, I, I will, with all I've said, I, I think I poach a fair amount of times, you know, I mean, could it be more? Probably, but I wouldn't say like I never go, but that's the way I feel. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And so she came up with a no fail poach system for mm. doubles players. And uh, I'm going to give a little a preview talk on it. You got to watch her do it. Um, but she basically said, hey, what, what I like to do, because everybody is nervous about leaving at the wrong time and they don't move as fast. She said, you know, as we get older, we don't move as fast, but the ball doesn't change the speed of. So, so that's another thing that people might feel insecure about poaching. And, and so she said that she's got this number system, a one, two, three system. So basically you tell your partner, I'm going to poach on ball one, ball two, or ball three. Now that's kind of interesting because you always just think about the, the conversations you like, okay, I'm going to stay, I'm going to go. And then that's it. Right. Well, hers is, you know, two. So if I tell my, if I, t if we're playing doubles together and I say two, you would serve. I wouldn't poach. You'd hit the first ball. Let's say you stayed back. Let's say it was a one up, one back situation. You hit the first ball cross court. I'm definitely going on that next ball, no matter what. And you know to back me up. So if I go and I leave at the wrong time and they hit down the line, you're going to back me up. So I don't have to feel as uh, worried, as nervous, like if I poach and I blow it, then the point's over and I completely blew it. And she had a, a great thing where she you, she also backed up the strategy with a, a study done by Dr. Jim Lair, who's also going to be part of TennisCon 5, I believe, which is really cool that he's coming back for that. But um, he did a study with like Agassi and Wheaton and and uh, Courier, a lot of the players at Boletari's Academy, like in the in the eighties, going into the nineties, I guess. And they had to first hit cross court at a target, and as you can imagine, they scored pretty damn high. You know, they were you know deadly. And then he said, "Okay, now the next one is when I call out down the line." There's another target down the line, and I'm going to call that out just before you go to hit and see how accurate you are. Well, they were much less accurate, you know, very, very modest, in fact. And then um, the point of that is, is just if you have somebody have to change their mind at the last second, mm -hmm. they then are not nearly as good. So even if you go to poach and you poach at the wrong time with Gigi's method here, there's still a good chance you're going to create an unforced error. Uh, the shot's not going to be as good. Maybe they hit right to you because they see you moving. And now lots of times they're going to decide, they have to decide, though, well, am I going to keep the same shot? Am I going to change my mind? What am I going to do here? So that gives the poacher just a lot of confidence. Yeah, I really like that, Pete. I mean, I'm the type of person that, you know, I, I'm much more comfortable when things are pre-planned and I have a, you know, it's easy for me. I don't need to make too many decisions. So I, I really like that, you know, we, we not just think about, you know, what we're doing on the serve, but we can just say, Hey, you know what? Third ball go. And, uh, a lot of times that's when you really catch them, you know, maybe they, they're, they're settling into the cross courts and then you just, boom, you get them. So, uh, I really like that a lot. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. Uh, what about you? Do you like, do, do you like to poach? Would you say you're very confident at poaching or, or not, or what do, you, what do you think about the poach? Yeah, it's been a work in progress. I used to be very uncomfortable about it. Uh, I, I played singles pretty much all my life until college. Like, I didn't know how to play doubles at all because um, it was just singles tournaments and juniors for me pretty much. So uh, I would actually just hope that <laughs> the other my partner would hit the ball uh, when I was at the net. But I gradually have just gotten into this 
uh, more aggressive mindset and I've gotten more comfortable at net that I, I feel somewhat comfortable uh, poaching. I mean, there's still, you know, certain, you know, especially if, if I've got an opponent who has a, a huge return and I know they're just going to smash it, you know, across court, then I obviously either won't poach or I'll be a little bit hesitant about the the poaching or, you know, not as confident. But uh, I definitely would say that I've I've become more confident about it but uh it's still not easy so um that's kind of where i stand <laughs> yeah yeah okay good cool good stuff pete so definitely uh everybody try that out that's a, a fantastic tip you know a, one of many in in that uh you know one presentation um from from Gigi. so definitely want to check that out too um any last thoughts on that pete or should we go to the uh third one we're gonna go with Third one, but my last thought on that is, like you said, there's many great tips in Gigi's presentation. There's there's five plays, but you know when you do these uh, interviews, there's there's tips within tips. You know, it like yeah. you know, so it's kind it's kind of cool to to hear these um, experts and champions talk about tennis. Yeah, hundred percent, Pete. Appreciate that. So let us move on to the next one. The next one is. Novak's zone court. Okay. Interesting. The secret zone court. Yeah. So this one is a presentation that I'm really excited about that I'm actually waiting on. Okay. But I already know I'm, I, I've seen a little preview hmm. uh, and Novak kind of introduces this. So I talked to this guy, Brett Hobden, who was one of the first really pioneers of making instructional instructional videos. Brett, Brett Hobden um, made a lot of videos for the USPTA. And he also would sometimes be featured like on when they had a tennis turnaround TV and they had a tennis tip. Lots of times his tips were on there. Very, very, very good at what he did. And all of a sudden I noticed he wasn't making videos anymore. So I reached out to him a couple of years ago and I said, you know, you need to be part of TennisCon. And at the time, he wasn't doing any video stuff. Well, within the last couple of years, out of nowhere, he's teamed up with this guy, I believe his name is Gordon in New Jersey, who has this court that Novak practices on. And I think Casper Rude was there right before the US Open. Like all, a lot of pros, shouldn't say all, that's not a good word, but a lot of pros before the US Open go there to play. And this guy's got a court that has the exact specifications to the U.S. Open court. Whatever the, whatever the surface wow. feels like, whatever the speed is, he's going to make it exactly like that for the pros to practice on. He's got a grass court that meets the Wimbledon specifications. And he's got a, a clay court that meets the French Open specifications. <laughs> and then he's got this court that's got all these zones on it. And Brett and some other people have worked with Novak and and uh, and a lot of this stuff is proprietary. So, and I haven't seen the video yet, but they're teaching Novak about the zones and making decisions, and and then matchups mm. against certain players. Novak really loves it, and he's on video saying that you know it really has helped this game. And so, and supposedly there's 20 cameras. Well, not supposedly. I haven't seen the video, but there's 20 cameras on the zone court, and we're going to be able to show a lot of that footage. Uh, for tennis con five so i'm really excited to see it and um learn a lot introducing coco golf's signature shoe more than just a tennis shoe it's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court the multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out the coco cg1 empowers you to dominate the game learn more and purchase the coco cg1 at newbalance.com Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Yeah, it's going to be really neat. So I, I think, so generally, how, how will zones, like thinking about the court and zones, help our game? Uh, do you also use that kind of um, concepts with your students as well? Absolutely. One of, one of the first really great eye-opening things as a coach was to learn about System 5. And Brett Hobden helped create System 5 for hmm. Nick Boateri. And wow. so, you know, I, I, I think a lot of it still works through System 5 that Brett Hobden originally created, but it's gotten deeper. You know, now that you have all the cameras and the analytics and then they have matchups against different players that they play. So it's, it's a lot more than just the vanilla System 5. But System 5, just real quickly, is still a, just a great way to play. And it's simple to kind of play intelligent without having to think too much, which, which is really a great thing to be able to do when you're in need of battle. So if you're in Area 5, you're kind of, you know, towards getting towards the back fence. You know, not exactly against the back fence, but you're, you know, you're on defense. So your shot should be at a level 5 over the net high level over the net and cross court. If you're in area four, again, you're kind of around the baseline, mostly cross court. You start to get the area three, two, and one. This one, you want to start thinking about change direction, coming to net ending points. So it's a really, really good, simple way to play. That's super neat. I'm going to try to find uh, a resource on that and then, uh, then link it. Cause I think that's a, uh that could be really helpful for a lot of players, like you said, to just simplify and, and know what type of shot to hit to, to, depending upon where they are on the court. So that's that's very cool. And and sorry, what's, what's the name of this uh, gentleman again? One more time. Brett Hobden. Brett Hobden. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Cool. Awesome. Cool, cool, cool. So any more uh, or any last uh, thoughts on that before we shift to the next uh, piece? No, just uh, really looking forward to seeing the presentation myself. I've been talking to Brett now for, gosh, a couple of years about this project. So I see sneak peeks here and there and keep hearing all the people that are out there playing on that court. And it's super, uh, super exciting. I can't wait to see it. That's pretty, pretty neat. Oh, by the way, so with his courts, like you mentioned that he has, um, you know, all these different uh, surface courts. So where is this located? (laughs) It's in, it's in New Jersey. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it sounds it sounds pretty cool. It sounds like something out of like you know Austin Powers or something where they got like <laughs> these secret like layer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's sick. That's sick. And um, <coughs> oh, sorry. Oh no worries. This isn't um the Gordon that like that comments a lot on on your tennis stuff and no. some of mine, right? Okay. Okay. Different. Not one. <laughs> not no different Gordon. Different Gordon. Okay. Okay. Got it. Cool, Pete. So let's go on to the fourth lesson. Fourth lesson is Jorge's tactics for defeating the pusher. Mm. And so he's got six, six tactics. Jorge Capistani is a massive professional. As you know, he's part of the tennis summit as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked him, can you come up with something? Because I mean, he's so good. And I'm like, can you come up with something to where people who don't necessarily have the biggest weapons mm. but also don't want to don't want to be in 50 ball rallies <laughs> can defeat the quote unquote pusher because you know the stereotype of how to beat a pusher which usually gets people more trouble is like well you know you play a pusher you can't be back there pushing with them you got to take it to them you got to get to the net you got to you know hit your winners you got to really just bulldoze <laughs> through those pathetic pushers and it's hard. You know, this this for the most part uh, doesn't work. It doesn't work for many people. And that's a couple of things. I mean, some people maybe can hit the ball hard, but they're they're not as consistent as they need to be. Uh, other people who are playing a pusher, maybe they do have better technique. Maybe they hit the ball a little harder, but they don't they don't hit the ball hard enough to overwhelm the pusher because what a pusher strength is typically um, and I'll start calling the pusher a counter puncher out of respect, is that counter punchers are very good at defense. You know, they're they're used to handling a person's heat. That lots of times you're just playing right into their what they want. They they want you to hit yourself out of the match. They rely on you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making more errors 
they're not they're not trying to win the match by hitting more winners than you. They're relying on you to make more errors than they do. And um so it's kind of tough to just hit winners through the whole match. So Jorge laid out six tactics that were really, really good. Uh, what I loved about the presentation is um, he's always has an awesome PowerPoint where he lays things out. You know, sometimes I think I think about tennis a lot, but then when you hear Jorge talk, you're like, no, like he may be certifiably, he's either a genius or he's certifiably insane about how <laughs> deep he goes with all his lessons. Like, where does he have the time to think about this and make these PowerPoint presentations that are brilliant? And so he has a brilliant PowerPoint presentation. Then he's got a video that then takes you out to the court and demonstrates an already awesome PowerPoint presentation. So that was a pretty cool lesson. Awesome, Pete. And I remember that we also did a live stream for a tennis summit where we talked about some strategies. I think we called this person uh, the MEP at the time, a most exhausting player. So that was a fun one. Most exhausting uh, player. Yeah. 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 What is one of your favorite strategies for defeating a exhausting player or counterpuncher? Well, my, my philosophy and a lot of this was uh, in line with what Jorge tries to teach his students is, you know, you got two ways to go about this. You can either A, you know, use what you think your A game is and, and to blow them off the court and hit winners. And, and there are certain people that your technique might be at a certain level and their defensive skills can't match your offense. And he says, well, if, if you find that that's working the way you want to play, if you find that's working when you start the match, then go with that, lead with that. And you can, you know, then you don't have to think so much and you literally can blow them off the court. Sometimes that's possible. But if that's not possible, then the next thing you have to really start thinking is, okay, what can I make them do? that they don't like to do and they're not good at doing. So rather than trying to beat the pusher with your skill, making them start to use skill to beat you. And uh, it's it's easier. And I think when you play a pusher, especially a lot of really good problem solvers, they will then learn how to counter. They'll start to mm -hmm. see what you're doing. But it is easier than you might think to make a pusher get in a vulnerable situation. Like for, for example, I think one thing that almost everybody should try and see, which lots of times you don't think about it until the match is over because you're trying to blow them off the court the whole time, is oh well, how is their volley? You know, how's their yeah. approach shot? I mean that that'd be the first thing that I would make them do is hit like nice, short, I wouldn't even have to make it a drop shot, because a drop shot again requires maybe a lot of skill. If I don't pull off the drop shot perfectly, the ball could just sit up there and they might run, get the ball above the net and, and do something with it that I can't really uh, do anything about. But if I hit a nice short biting chip and just a little off center to their backhand, that makes them run towards a single sideline or maybe if I can even get a couple of their feet in the doubles alley, that's a really tough shot to approach from. And now they've got to decide, do I take this ball and run to the net, which I hate the net. You know, that's what most counter punchers are usually thinking, or now do I start to retreat way back to the baseline? And now you've got a lot of time, lots of times, to then get them running to the opposite corner, even hit behind them. And so that's just an easier way to open up the court faster. You're not getting into a 50-ball rally. You're, you're, you're not taking on a lot of risk. You're making them do something a little uncomfortable. They have to take on a, a greater risk now to get out of that situation. And um, so that's one of my favorite plays that I would suggest that a lot of recreational players go to first rather than try and, you know, pretend that you're uh, Agassi for two sets. Yeah, no, I really love that. I mean, you know, I was fortunate to be able to just try to pound my forehand against counterpunchers. But, you know, as their level goes higher and higher, it's more difficult to do that. And so when you think about the game as far as like executing your strengths and exploiting your opponent's weaknesses as much as possible, um, then hopefully you can come to the conclusion such as the strategy that, that Pete just mentioned. So that is a really, really good one. Do you have any memories of playing uh, counterpunchers, Pete, that uh, just drove you insane? Why <laughs> None, you right? to do that? <laughs> uh, no, I, there's one that stood out. Marty Cohen. I mean, that, that, that just goes to show you how traumatic it can be. So Marty Cohen, when I grew up, I grew up in the Middle States. 
I was usually, uh, especially the second year of, of my, you get two years in each age category. I was usually top five in middle state. Sometimes I was number two. So that would be awesome. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware. And, and um, I think that was about it. Yeah, I think it was three states. So anyway, there was always one player that people did not want to draw early in a tournament because uh, he's a tough out. You know, the chances are you're going to win, but he's taking part of your soul with you. And that was Marty Cohen. <laughs> and and, and nice. Marty Cohen, uh, not physically intimidating, uh, shorter guy, um, didn't have any power, extremely competitive. And another thing, too, was he was extremely emotional. And mm. so what was hard about playing Marty is you were extremely nervous because you knew he was going to run for every ball. You knew he was going to make you beat him. I mean, you had to beat him in one way or the other. And, uh, and so you knew you were, you were in for it playing him and you couldn't, and it was hard not to do. You could not. And, and I'm saying this now as a coach, I mean, as a kid, I didn't, all this was not registering, but looking back, you know, you, you couldn't relax ever according to how he was behaving because you would get up and he would literally start to cry and you'd think, <laughs> okay, now, and, and this is weird because Marty, I mean, he was like, we were at an age to where he was like a young teenager, you know, even when he was like 14 or 15, sometimes he gets so emotional that it looked like he was about to break down and cry. So, you know, sometimes you start to think, okay, now this is it. He's clearly about to break. He's looking like he's having a nervous breakdown. But then, you know, a point later, he'd pass you when you came to the net and be pumping his fist and jumping across the court. So like, it was like an emotional roller coaster because you'd see this kid go from crying to like jumping up and down. And <laughs> you just, I mean, but, but looking back, no matter if he was up or he was down, he somehow was able to bring the intensity every point. His, his, his game never dropped levels, even when he was going through nervous breakdowns. It was really weird. Mm-hmm. Very interesting stuff. That yeah, I have not heard of, of such an emotional uh player like that, but that's that's pretty interesting. Pete, let's uh let's shift on to uh and, and thanks a lot for that strategy, a really fantastic one. Um let's shift on to number five. Number five, last but not least, mm-hmm. was your inspirational workout that you sent. Oh thank and, you. Yeah, and here's here's what inspired me. Is, is number one, when you first started making your videos, you were never out of shape, but you're clearly, and I know you're just making jokes, you're saying, oh, what's well, the t-shirt? You're clearly <laughs> much fitter than when you first started making videos. I mean, you've really gotten in some great shape. So Thank you. seeing you, you know, talk the talk and walk the walk was really cool. Your exercises were excellent. And in the same day, which is really kind of neat because I'm like kind of like in the middle, you know, I think you're like in your early 30s and then I'm 48. And then the same day, I got a video from Tom Avery. Now, he is giving everybody the perfect doubles warm up. And Mm -hmm. uh, but it's but he also goes into, you know, on court hitting. But he says before you go to play, you need to do the proper warm up. So he literally goes through and does a warm-up for everybody. And he did the same move that you were doing. He did the Frankenstein. <laughs> now, here's the thing that was amazing. I, I, and, and so I gave you some kudos. He did, first of all, your Frankenstein is like 10 times better than mine. I mean, I can, I can barely get my feet like six inches off the ground when I try and do that straight thing and, and, uh, and, and kick out. His Frankenstein was better than yours. Oh, and he's man. like in his... And he's like in his seventies. That's I so love to hear it. That was super inspirational to me. I'm like, I'm like, look at this. Look at Maribon. He's in great shape. He's he's taken his his um, fitness seriously. He looks super fit. He's he's learned all this stuff that he's learned from the tennis summit, and he's really applied it. And then I got a video from Tom Avery. I'm like, and look at this guy. He's on the other side, <laughs> and um, it just goes to show. That if you are consistent and you take your fitness seriously, 
that you can maintain a high level of fitness. I mean, he looked very springy on the court. He was kicking his legs up near his face. I was impressed when he did the when he did the uh, the hip rotations where you lift your leg up and you push your your leg out to the side to kind of like rotate your hips to warm them up. Mm -hmm. I mean, just super limber. And I was just watching kind of like watching his video and your video going, I got some work to do. Like these, these guys are bringing it. So it was, it was, it was kind of cool to see that. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Pete. I mean, it's just so important to have a consistent routine uh, centered around fitness. Um, I forget the exact saying, but it, it was something like, if you don't have time Oh gosh, what is it? It's like if you don't make time for the stretch for the stretch table, then you'll be on the physio table or something like that. But anyways, um, yeah, I you know in that um uh, session that I put together, I think it's like uh, the operating the operating table. The operating, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's right. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the session, I just, I just try to give you like a full. Uh, full, it's a full body workout and it also include dynamic warm up for you and then stretches afterwards as well. Um, but yeah, I've, you know, I've been really dedicating a lot more time to, to stretching and, and mobility because I've traditionally been very tight in my, uh, lower body, like my hips, especially in my hip flexors. So, you know, I, I, I assume that Tom has been diligently doing his stretching and, and all of the other things, which is why he's able to really, you know, get his legs up there. And, uh, I mean, that's just great to hear, you know, it's just a testament to consistency and that tennis is a lifelong sport. So if you take care of your body, then you will be able to play it for a very long time, which is part of the beauty of tennis versus many other sports. So definitely, definitely love to hear that. And, and so Tom's, uh, can you remind me his, his presentation is, uh, what again? It's uh, what is it? It's going to be the perfect doubles warm up. Oh yes, um, yes. So right. he basically takes us in it. He basically says, "Hey, you know, when your team gets there, if you got a tournament, lots of times you get some practice time before you go out and you have to do your warm up with your opponents." And he's like, "So this is a great opportunity to really go about and do it the right way for doubles because lots of times you notice that people warm up the same way for singles and doubles." Most of the warm-ups are really geared towards a singles match. Yeah. And his drills are all based on, you know, getting you ready to get out there and, and, and be up on a doubles match right away. So it was really, really good. Yeah, I really love that. You know, that is, it, that is fantastic that he's distinguishing um, because, you know, obviously there's a lot of your, your type of movements that you're doing uh, – are quite a bit different frequency wise, you know, in doubles versus singles. So I really do think that's a fantastic one to check out that, you know, everybody should be uh, watching. So very, very cool. Any last thoughts on, uh, on that presentation or, you know, just generally on uh, doubles warm up or anything or fitness? No, well, just, I mean, I guess just, uh, you know, your, what made you, cause yeah, Number five was, was uh, I brought Tom into the mix, but it, it was basically being inspired by you first and then Tom. Your video came in first. I watched it and his came in. And I just thought, oh, it's kind of pretty cool. And uh, so what made you get a lot more serious about your fitness? Because I think you were always, what I want everybody listening, because I don't know if everybody listening is, you. I guess you've probably seen Marabon, but I know he's got the podcast and then he's got the tennis summit. So if you don't watch him a lot, I mean, he's never been, I don't want anybody out there thinking, Oh, he was, must've been really out of shape. He was never out of shape. You always look at him and go, he's a fit person, but now you're clearly fit. Like you're, you're extremely fit. So what made you decide to take your fitness to the next level when you are already in pretty decent shape? Yeah, thanks. You know, I, I think it's just, um, I guess it's unfortunate that it came to this uh, in some sense, but, you know, at some point I started getting a lot more, you know, pain in my hips. And, you know, I figured like if, if I keep going like this, I'm not going to be able to play tennis at all. And, you know, I, I love tennis. And so I figured that, you know, I just want to be able to play tennis all my life and I don't want to be in pain. Um, so I tried to figure out, I looked back at all the different 
things that I've, uh, you know, interviews and tennis summit sessions and tried to devise, you know, a, a consistent routine, a mixture of, of course, strength training as well as um, agility, but also uh, stretching and mobility, especially. Uh, so I concentrate a lot more on that. And yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the catalyst. So I, I, and also, you know, it comes in spurts as well. You know, when I have certain matches coming up, then you also get motivated. But I always have in the back of my mind, you know, the times when I was in, uh, wasn't able to move very well. And I just want to be able to play the game and be healthy. So that's kind of why I've been dedicating myself to, to fitness, uh, more. You know, I used to, I used to never warm up. I used to not stretch at all. Yeah, I just play and, um, you know, those days are gone. So uh, I really do think that it's going to pay huge dividends if you concentrate on uh, on a, a fitness routine that works for you and keeps you in the game for a long time. So, yeah, that's 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 awesome. That is awesome. And, yeah. and so how many times a week do you work out and and how long is the workout? Is it always the same amount of time? Is are some shorter than others? How, how do you do it? Yeah, so actually, I'm glad you asked that. So somewhat recently, I was looking to kind of um, refresh my workout a bit, and I looked at um, <laughs> a Tennis Summit session, and this one was from Satoshi Ochi, uh, head strength and conditioning coach at USTA. And, you know, it was pretty simple. I mean, he had d- devised, a, um, you know, a schedule and, and you know, like categorization of, of types of exercises and things like that. So now what I'm doing is uh, between two to three full body strength workouts, primarily with weights, and then also usually two footwork and agility type workouts. And then I do try to stretch um, almost every day. So that's, that's pretty much what I'm doing. You know, works for me. And uh, like I said, you know, when I went back at Satoshi's presentation, that was laid out as like a, you know, a, a pretty good general, um, type of, uh, scheduling. So that, that's pretty much what I've allocated, you know, in addition to, of course, playing tennis. So, um, of course, you know, there'll, there'll be weeks where maybe I'll, I'll do a little bit less, but overall I'd really try to keep that consistency going. And, you know, the, the, the biggest secret really is if you can allocate like a certain time slot and put it on your calendar, then it, it, you know, gradually becomes automatic, you know? So, uh, I think that's very powerful, uh, something you should look for, but hopefully that gives you some insight into my, into my workouts. I mean, I, I used to be, do like, I used to allocate into like certain body parts and things like that, but these days I'm just doing the full body workouts. So it's working out for me. I, I, th- well. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And, and that, that's kind of cool. You know, you went back to the tennis summit and that's, yeah that again is the power, you know, uh, mm-hmm. If, if if I could just have people understand one thing, it's like when we, when yeah. I, I can't speak for Maribond, but when I give people the free 48 hour pass, I look at it as, you know, giving a nice uh, benefit service to people who are interested in getting better at tennis. Or, and and then you can decide if you're interested in this, if this will help you kind of like if you're going to go at demo program for a racket, well, you can demo rackets, which is a really nice service if you're walking through the mall and you know you walk through the food court and somebody says hey do you want a piece of chicken and you're hungry and you're like sure i'll take the free piece of chicken and if you like it you go buy it you know and 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 the more people that really understand like you know you're kind of cheating yourself if you just do the 48 hour free pass because there's no way you're going to retain all this information and it's not done as a bait and switch. It's more like 48 hours is enough time to decide if you're seeing a lot of quality. And then you have to decide if you are going to take your game to the next level and really dive into these because there's no way you're going to cheat the system and figure out all the stuff by watching tennis con and, and or tennis summit in 48 hours. Uh, because just like I, admitted to you guys, I listened to Mark Kovacs, I interviewed him and I was blown away and I'm thinking I've got to do, just like Maribond said, he went back to the workout. I'm really hoping that in the next couple of weeks or maybe after tennis con, when things settle down, I'll then go back and really watch Mark Kovacs video and watch it several times and probably have to work out alongside it in the beginning. And then, and then mm-hmm. I'll probably start to remember it and then it can kind of become my routine. And I, I'd imagine you did the same thing. 
with your tennis summit and then realizing, man, I do want to take my fitness seriously. That guy gave a perfect presentation. I don't remember it. Let me go watch it again. And now you probably can remember it to just do it. And that's the power uh, of this, what we, what we put together. For sure. Yeah. Definitely highly suggest you, you pick up the all access pass. I mean, yeah, there's been so many times where I've either thought of like tennis con or tennis summit and I've thought, Oh man, like that, that surf tip or, Oh, you know, that session about watching the ball, like, uh, what did he say again? Like what drill was that? And, and, you know, being able to go back to it, um, you know, when you have lifetime access is, is so key. And like, I mean, there's, there's so many times where like, you know, getting the one, even like just one tip out of all that information. And like it, you know, it makes your game a lot better. And you're like, this is worth so much. Like there's not even a price on it, honestly. Uh, um, so a lot of times, so, uh, definitely, definitely do that. And, you know, we'll have some, uh, inf- uh information and, and links as well. So check out the show notes to be able to, uh, to join tennis con and get the all access pass. So, any uh any last thoughts? Uh, I want to give you the floor, Pete, before we uh, adjourn. Well, no, I just want to thank you for the interview, and I want to thank you for being part of of TennisCon Five. And during TennisCon Five, just like you do, uh, we do lots of fun live streams, and I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy that you're going to help me with some of that. So, oh, I just yeah. want to thank you um, for all your help and support, and uh, congratulate you on all your hard work and, and, uh, what you've been able to do. I was actually talking to my girlfriend, uh, the other day about you. I'm like, this guy was impressive because he came out of nowhere. You know, it's like he, he, he uh, came up with this idea for the tennis summit. And I remember seeing the email and then looking at the page and what it was like, so impressive. And, um, you know, now I think you're one of the top people and, and, uh, and you've just been so consistent with what you've done and the quality that you bring. And, um, so it's just really, really neat to watch you, uh, come on the scene and stay on the scene, uh, which is, which is not easy to do. And, and, and you've done it better than uh, a lot of people I can think of is how fast you emerged and then how you've, you've stayed. So it's pretty cool. Thank you, P. That's that's super nice of you. And, you know, like I said, you're one of my favorite people in tennis. And it's just amazing. I just think of, um, you know, like you've had people who like you just tell them, hey, like you can contact me via video and, you know, ask me a question. And, you know, that stuff takes so much time and you're just you're all into tennis and, you know, uh, giving people feedback all the time. And, you know, your dedication to tennis con is amazing and you do such an incredible job. You're, you're one of the top instructors uh, on the planet, I think, and you, you're just, uh, doing a lot of great things for tennis. So just want to acknowledge you for that as well. And thank you so much for all your work. Uh, it really is appreciated and you know, all your fans love you. Uh, it's easy to see that in the comments. Uh, uh, so th- thanks a lot, Pete. And, you know, like I said, we're going to have uh, more information for you all on, uh, how to join tennis con and you definitely should join it for sure. And so, Thanks, Pete. Uh, by the way, any any places that uh, they can, you know, they should go to follow you as well. Like any uh, any of that stuff. Well, I think I think YouTube is probably the best place if you're yeah. new to watching me. Uh, so if this is the first time you've you've ever heard me, go to YouTube and just type in the search bar "Crunch Time Coaching" or "Peter Freeman Tennis." My videos will come up. Uh, it's a good way for you to decide if you want to. You know, you like my style of teaching. Um, like they say, different strokes are different folks. So if you go there and you like it, then keep watching. If if you don't, then, then I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll find another instructor who you might like better. But, um, you know, to certain people, they like the way I teach. So that's a good way to find out if you like it or not. Well, I like how you teach, Pete, and uh, a lot of my followers do too. And, you know, Pete's got videos on all sorts of things, like everything, you know, that you can imagine about tennis and great quality and great consistency. So definitely uh, we'll have a link to Crunch Time Coaching on YouTube as well. So, Pete, thanks a lot. I know you've got a lot of work to do uh, for Tennis Cons coming up, so I'll let you go. But uh, thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast, and I'm sure we'll chat very soon, and I'm excited for the live streams as well. So, I will talk to you very soon, my friend. Thank you so much, Maribon. Take care.
All right. I really hope that you enjoyed my interview with Coach Peter Freeman. Pete, thanks for coming on to the podcast. I know you've been super busy prepping for TennisCon 5. Again, an awesome online tennis conference that is free. And just go to tennisfiles.com slash tenniscon5 to pick up your free ticket to watch all the 40 plus awesome lessons from fantastic coaches, including yours truly. Of course, I'm a little biased for myself, but check that out and I will see you there. And hopefully we'll hang out during the live streams as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you leave a review for the podcast and you can do that in your podcast app of choice that you use to listen listen to the show, excuse me. And also, I just want to leave you with a quote of the day, as I often do. And this quote is by Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon said, if you cannot do great things, do small things in a great way. Love that quote. If you just simply strive to do the little things well, then eventually you are going to do great things. All right, well, that's it for this week's episode, and I look forward to serving you however I can in future episodes as well as through my other content. So with that, thanks so much for listening, and definitely check out TennisCon 5 at TennisFiles.com slash TennisCon 5, and I will see you next time. This is Maribon Aranshad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.